0: Welcome to the 321 Biz Development and V-Sales Executive Podcast on iTunes. My name is Clarence Rick Napier, CEO of 321 Biz Dev LLC, located in Sacramento County, California. 321 Biz Dev LLC brings a combination of sales systems, business development, and website designed to worldwide business owners of any size. Our business is people. Our product is sales performance. We tell business owners exactly what they need to know and why they need to know it without any gimmicks or fluff. We know what the sales performance struggle is like because we were once there too. And our team of trainers and digital marketing specialists can help small business owners meet or exceed their revenue expectations. 321 is the company to call if you or your sales team want to master the following four main sales functions. Contacting, prospecting, appointment setting, and closing. 321 BizDev services are available worldwide where the English language is spoken. We can be reached toll-free, in the US and Canada at 833 321 3212 or internationally using WhatsApp at country code 1 406 402 6400. We have over 225 plus hours and 319 episodes of business development content and interviews with business owners from around the world today's podcast episode is titled how to prospect for new clients and i want to thank everyone for listening to this podcast episode this episode will probably be uploaded today which is august 19th and will be available for probably a week i typically take it down uh, because the prospecting uh, module in our training is one that's kind of proprietary. It's, it's it's really unique, and I don't think anyone will be able to master prospecting just from this this short podcast episode. Uh, and the intent the intent is not to uh, try to give all the information on a podcast episode because clearly it's impossible. Uh, prospecting for new clients. I like to always say that it's an art and a science and there's no way I can spend 30 to 45 minutes uh, talking about prospecting and give any person listening any type of solid foundation to go out and prospect. So the introduction I have for how to prospect for new clients is there's a myth out there and the myth says salespeople are born. And my response is no, everyone needs training, you know, and the other thing that people say sometimes when you talk to them about uh, starting uh, like a sales type job, whether it be uh, selling real estate or selling insurance or mortgage loans uh, or any type of direct marketing network marketing product like Avon, Mary Kay, uh, Amway. A lot of people will say, I could never work in sales because I'm not a pushy person. And it's that last phrase I mentioned of people thinking that salespeople are pushy. There is more truth to that statement than you may think. And in our three-two-one sales system training, we talk about why uh, consumers uh, look at salespeople as pushy people. And there's a reason why it's like that. Uh, so we do have a six hour sales system training. And like I said on a previous podcast episode, the six hours of training will serve to to fill the gaps that people may have uh, about the subject of selling. Uh, it'll it'll give a person it'll it'll leave a person more comfortable with selling. After the six hour training, because uh, a lot of people think selling is something that it's not. And hopefully in this podcast episode, uh, at the conclusion of people listening to this podcast episode, uh, listeners will say, hey, you know what? Rick was right. What he talked about on this podcast episode had very little to do with most people's perception of selling. Sales is about connecting people with the products, goods, and services that they might want. So a lot of times people say, well, I'm going to take this item and I'm going to sell it to this person regardless if they need it or not. And in one of my sales modules in my live or um, webinar training, I have this example about a person who sells macaroon cookies And they go to sell the macaroon cookies to someone they know. Now, in that process of of starting the conversation, not necessarily about the the cookies, but just, you know, doing some warm-up conversations with the person you're meeting with. That person may say, oh gosh, my favorite cookie is the chocolate chip cookie. And that's the only cookie that I will ever eat. So that salesperson who sells macaroon cookies now has a decision to make. That salesperson can say, well, um, this person that he or she is meeting with just said they only like chocolate chip cookies. So the salesperson can either walk away from the conversation and not even present the macaroon cookies or the salesperson can force or try to force that person to buy macaroon cookies, even when that person said they only like chocolate chip cookies. So in between there, there's a way to handle that. And we talk about how salespeople may sometimes not make a sale, but in, in, but in the process of, of doing the right thing and not trying to force a product, good, or service on a, on, a, on a contact, that contact may say, Hey, Rick, thanks a lot for not trying to force these macaroon cookies on me because I, I told you I like chocolate chip. And I really appreciate the fact you didn't try to force these cookies you know, on me and force me to buy these cookies. In fact, I like the way that you approached my situation so well I know five people who love macaroon cookies and I would love to refer you to these people who like macaroon cookies and let them know that the way you treated me as a chocolate chip only cookie lover was excellent. And they feel good about the fact that you did not try to force them to buy the macaroon cookies. So sales has two parts and believe it or not, Regardless of what you think about sales, most people are are in one of those parts. So the first part of sales is you are selling the the product or service. And the second part is you're being sold the product, good or service. So I like to tell people anytime you sit down with someone to buy a car, to buy a cupcake, uh, to buy a shirt... To buy a pound of coffee, to uh, go to a restaurant, you know, to buy a trip, you know, a, a cruise line trip or to, to buy a vacation package or to buy a timeshare. You are in one or two of the sales uh, components. You're either being sold to or you're doing the selling. So hopefully that will make people more comfortable because many people have bought a ton of stuff before. You know, in a sales situation, sitting right across the table or the desk, you know, with with that with that company owner or that salesperson. So let me talk about my journey in in sales, and this will be very very short, because my journey was a long journey, but I don't want to you know bore you with how I got in sales, but I'll tell you the highlights. My journey into sales began when I was working as an operation manager at a Fortune 500 company in Los Angeles. And I was supporting the sales department in in, in their uh, mission to go out and sell group health insurance to large companies. So I worked as an operations manager, customer service manager at a company that, that had healthcare employer accounts for large companies like several universities, a large department Uh, store chains, um, utility services companies. And so my job was when the sales department would go out and talk about their health insurance products, my job was to communicate to that potential new client, that employer, what my role was for the first 30 to 60 days while their new employees came on board with the health insurance product. So my my unit was like a crack unit. We had to make sure that people uh, received the best service for the first 30 to 60 days because it would typically there would typically be some type of of a challenge because of misinterpreting benefits. And so my department was right on it. So if there was any type of uh, confusion about benefits, we were right on it, making the changes. Or making sure that large groups of people knew about the change or what the correction was because a lot of times people can talk or people can read and the misinterpretation can occur even though people spent thousands of hours on literature and manuals and brochures and benefit uh, you know uh, guidelines and summaries so it was in this process I said to myself wow This is what the sales department does. So I was kind of curious and because I got a glimpse of what they what they what they did. And I never really understood, you know, how they got to that point to meet with the employer. You know, I didn't know, you know, if the if the employer called in and said, come out and see me. I didn't know if one of the sales reps in the office called and set up the appointment. So I never saw that part. But one day I was looking at the job board and there was a, a, a position as an account executive in the sales department. So instead of filling out the paperwork to bid on that job, you know, to submit my my in-house, my internal resume and all of my internal documents as being an employee already. I called the vice president of sales. It was a woman. Her name was Michelle. And I said, Michelle, you probably don't know me well, but I am one of the managers that comes out and talks to the employers uh, when you're you know, doing your, your sales um, uh, presentation to the employers. And she says, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I know who you are. Yeah, you, you accompany the sales team. And I said, well, I was calling to find out um, more information about the job. I want to apply for it. And, um, you know, I'm interested in in learning more about the position. And she said, wow, you mean to say you picked up the phone to call me about the position instead of just filling out the paperwork, the job bid request and letting the job bid, you know, information go through H.R.? I said, yes. She goes, wow, that's impressive. And she said, well, can you come down for lunch? You know, the office, the corporate office, I was like in a satellite office about maybe 20 miles from the corporate office. And uh, so I she said, yeah, come over for lunch, got in my car, met her for lunch. And she gave me some great books. And to make a long story short, she pretty much hired me on the spot. I still had 30 days to wait for for paperwork to get caught up and, and things like that. But I got hired right on the spot. And the funny thing about being hired on the spot and being thrust into sales. She actually in that process of me waiting for the paperwork, she enrolled me into this class in Reno, Nevada. And it was a class uh, sponsored by this company called Miller Hyman. And Miller Hyman is a top notch sales system training school based in Reno, Nevada. And I believe they have an office now in Denver, Colorado. And I saw the invoice for the class, and back in the late '90s, early 2000s, the class was $10,000 for eight days, you know, plus hotel expenses because I had to be there for eight days in Reno, Nevada. And uh, so I saw the invoice, and I was like, "Wow, you know, the, the sales vice president is spending $10,000 to send me to this this sales system training for corporate sales execs." And uh, so I went to the class, and I'm going to finish up this part real quick. Left the class, came back to to the office, and Michelle said, Rick, I have this problem. Oscar is quitting and going to a competitor to sell health insurance, and his territory is open. Now, Oscar covered Pasadena, California, and most businesses along the 101 freeway all the way to Ventura County. So Michelle said, Rick, I need you to get in the car and I need you to uh, just go out and meet with uh, Oscar's clients just to make sure everything is fine. You know, introduce yourself, tell them you're the new sales executive for northern Los Angeles County and Ventura County. So in the process of going to Ventura County, I left um, an employer, uh, a radiology employer who had about 75 employees. So I stopped by the County of Ventura office, and this is a, the office that, that um, you know, it was, the, it was the county offices. So they provided all the county services for Ventura County. So to make a long story short, I went in to meet with the benefit officer to at least say hello. She wasn't available, got the card. About six weeks later, she said, gosh, you stopped by. I got your information. Can your team come by? So the team from Huntington Beach, and I was new. I was probably maybe four months into the job. So the A-team showed up from Huntington Beach. I was new. Um, So we met with the employer, the county of Ventura. And I just sat back and watched the pros operate. I I said to myself, wow, I'm going to see how the pros do this. Well, unfortunately, the pros didn't close. So Michelle said, well, Rick, since you made contact with this employer, you get to go back in two weeks just to see if we can if we can make it happen or not. We'll we'll just shut it down and we'll just uh, move on to another company. So I showed up at the county of Ventura and I said to myself, based on the training I had at uh, Miller Hyman for eight days, I said to myself, we don't know anything about this employer, the A-team from Huntington Beach pretty much talked the entire time. So I said, let me try something different. Let me try something different than what the A-team did, I must add. So I went in and used the training that I that I got from Miller Hyman. So I came in with about three sheets of paper. And Barbara, who was the, the benefit officer, we were in this nice office. I mean, it was like nice, intimidating uh, mahogany uh, office conference room. So I said, Barbara, um, we were here about a month ago and I didn't get a chance to really learn anything about the county. So I have a few questions to ask you about what's happening with the county. What's going right? What's going wrong? You know, what would you like to see fixed if it was possible? So to make that long story short, Barbara said and she talked to me for about 45 minutes and she said, Rick, have you had lunch yet? And uh, I said, no, I haven't. It's like 11 o'clock and uh so she was gone she came back in 30 minutes later and she came back with a $500,000 check and she had signed the application to begin offering health insurance with the company I worked for and I was just thrilled And she said Rick I want to thank you you asked me more questions about the county of Ventura than your than the other team that was here a month ago and you did a great job. So, <laughs> went back to the office, kind of, kind of nonchalantly. And Michelle said, "Well, how did it go?" And I said, "Well, it went okay." And she said, "Oh, okay. Well, what's next?" I said, "Well, here's a check for five hundred thousand dollars, and we got the business." So Michelle was thrilled. I made a bonus. I got a trip, uh, a three-day weekend to something nice. Uh, like a um, recreational, uh, you know, spa place. <laughs> and uh, it was so cool. Now, the, the other funny thing about it, when it came time to renew the contract with the county, the first stipulation to renew the contract was a great price. We, we, we want to maintain uh, a relatively fair price to renew. And the second stipulation was we want to continue working with Rick Napier. If we don't get to work with Rick Napier, we're not doing it. And I wish I would have kept that letter. You know, that letter would have been probably 20 years old now, but I wish I would have kept that letter. So, so that's my journey into sales. It's a longer story than that, but that's the short version. So let's get back to uh, how to prospect for new clients. And I still have some information to uh, introduce to listeners And like I said at the beginning, you will find out that sales is not what people think it is. Uh, Sales is not about pitching that product for for an hour and a half straight and then crossing your fingers, wondering if that person's going to buy. That's like 1960s, 1970s type selling. So who is most likely to work in sales? And it's not always who you think. I will say most people who want to work in sales, they want more than the hourly wage type job. Uh, they want something that uh, that where their efforts are compensated based on what they've done. So if a person is out, you know, moving products, goods and services, and let's say that product, good and service or, or service has a price tag of five hundred thousand dollars, then that person is It's is basically telling the truth, saying, I just did something that moved $500,000. How much will I make? And a lot of times, moving $500,000 will pay uh, a salesperson somewhere like $10,000, $15,000 just for that one transaction. The next uh, person who is most likely to work in sales are people who are at least... 51% confident in themselves, and I, I use 51% because most people, when they start, you know, looking at sales, they're not sure if they have the confidence. So 50-50 would be a fair uh, assessment or a fair self-assessment for some for people. If you're not sure that you can work in sales, that that you would succeed in sales, being 50-50 is just fine. So I use the number 51%. To just just to indicate that this person is just a little bit more sure about working in sales than maybe most people. And people who want to work in sales, they typically have the personality trait that they don't succumb to peer pressure. In other words, the least uh, smallest rejection, they don't crumble. And I'm not saying they don't feel bad about being rejected. They just don't crumble. They don't say, oh, I'm giving up. I'm jumping off the freeway. You know, they don't do stuff like they basically said, "Okay, wow. That person said no. Okay, wow. Maybe it's maybe it was me. Maybe something they need to learn. Um, People who typically work in sales kind of have a slight ego. Um, And that ego is basically they like to be heard. They're not obnoxious. They're not arrogant per se. Um, But I've seen people who are like that. And to me, it's nothing wrong with that people. That's why there are 16 different personalities out there. People to, to want a person to be just like you or to want someone to have the same type of demeanor and uh, you know, sort of like calmness and peace, peacefulness as the next person. That's a fantasy. There are 16 different personalities that people can exhibit. And uh, a great place to check that out is to go to 16personalities.com and you'll get a chance to see what your personality style is. But a lot of people who uh, most likely will will want to work in sales, have a slight ego, and they kind of want to be heard. I would kind of say an activist would be someone who would at least meet the initial psychological profile of being in sales because they want to be heard. Um, and I already talked about people who could tolerate a little criticism. So let's talk about the 3 one sales system as we begin to get closer to talking about how to prospect. See, I told you learning sales has very little to do with pitching that product in front of a person. So the 3 one sales system has an acronym. It's called SWAS. S-W-A-S. And S-W-A-S stands for selling without appearing to sell. And SWAS has four components. Uh, the letters are C-P-A-C or CPAC. And that doesn't stand for conservative, political, action committee, committee. People always ask me to no. know. CPAC stands for contacting, prospecting, appointment setting, and closing. And those are the four main sales functions. And I, and I have to tell you up front, the last C, uh, which stands for closing, is not the type of closing that you might think. And we talk about what that difference is. In closing than what most people think closing is. Uh, So we talk about our brand, our definition of closing. And it's not the standard definition that people think. So what is a sales system? A sales system is a set of steps that are repeated over and over again. Uh, And these steps are repeated over and over again because they work. One of the problems people have with sales is that they'll try something and they'll say, oh, I didn't get the business, so I'll try something else. Oh, that didn't work either, so let me try something else. And what will happen is that a salesperson will end up with sometimes know, six, ten different ways that they try to sell. And without some type of uniformity with the sales system, that person will, will never build any continuity or um Uh, conformity in their selling because they've always tried something different every time they go out Uh, having a sales system and repeating those steps is great because when you repeat those steps you go through something called the learning curve, the learning curve is similar to riding a bike, when you first rode a bicycle, you didn't get on that bicycle and and ride it perfectly when you started, you fell down you ran into a pole like I did when I was like 4 or 5 years old and eventually, over a period of time, weeks or months, you became comfortable with riding that bike. And that's what a system is. A system example, or I got two examples here. A system example is how people bake great cakes. You know, so someone is baking a cake, they do the same thing with the eggs, with the sugar, with the other ingredients, with the cake mix. Or how people replace brakes on a car. And uh, so, someone who fixes brakes, they typically have the same approach with repairing brakes, with putting on brake pads, the front and the backs. And another way or another phrase of instead of saying sales system, you can say best practices. So, let's move closer to prospecting. Uh, As we begin to get deeper into it, again, like I said, prospecting and selling, it's not what people think. So here's another phase. Prospecting is one of four steps. And like I mentioned, CPAC, C-P-A-C, prospecting is the second of the four steps. Prospecting is similar to people prospecting for gold. You know, prospecting is like searching. And when you search, you know, you search until you find something that you're looking for. And that's the history of of here in California. That's why we have the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers were people who searched for gold not too far from Sacramento in the gold country. That's why they call it the gold country. And that's where the San Francisco 49ers got their name. Because uh, in 1849, that's when the gold rush started here in the Central Valley, Sacramento, and up through Torino. So that's a little uh, uh, trivia uh, for you. See, salespeople are seeking people who are good matches for products, goods, and services. Salespeople are not seeking people who are not good matches for product, goods, and services. So the implications... That the product, good, and service must have something to offer to buyers. Uh, something greater to the buyer that's equal to or greater than their money. Very important con- very important concept. So when you're offering someone something, like a product, a good, or service, a buyer is looking at that, you know, like a, something costs $100 or $1,000. They're looking at that, does this product have equal value to my my $50 or my $1,000? Or is the value even greater than that? Okay, The value seen by the buyer must be real. It must be measurable. Or that value must have an emotional contact or an emotional connection. So I purposely went off track (laughs) and I went to the last letter of CPAC, which is closing. So when I mentioned uh, the buyer, what what the person is buying must have um, real measurable value or the value must have an emotional connection. That's actually the C, the last C in CPAC. So let's get back. Let's get back on track. It is so easy to get off on track, get off on track with with selling. So why is learning how to prospect so important? Prospecting is 70 percent. Of the sales activity. And that 70% activity is called effort. I think I mentioned that word earlier. The remaining 30% of the sales activity is called the task T A S K. It's the task activity. So the effort activity is the prospecting part, which is on average 70%. It could be higher for some industries, it could be lower for attorneys, plastic surgeons, uh, dentists, but the average is about 70% of the total. Listen, please listen. That's the total sales activity is prospecting. The other 30% on average is performing the task. And those tasks are the actual um, fulfillment of the product, good or services, and that fulfillment may be fixing the tea, you know, doing the books as, as a CPA would do, or uh, going to court as an attorney would do, completing the life insurance application and submitting it, um, writing up the paperwork in a real estate transaction after the person is hired, the salesperson. So the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because people fail in sales because most sales organizations focus, I would say 90%, not, I'm going to put a number to it, 90% of sales organizations focus only on the task activity. And that's why you have so many people failing in sales because they have never learned how to prospect. They've never used a sales system. So when a, when a person is you know in sales, the only thing they know is how great their product is, how great their service is. And you know, for people who do enroll in our six-hour sales system training, you will find out that's not on the consumer's mind initially. How great your product is, how great you are as a salesperson, how great the dead presidents of, of the companies, you know, were, you know, 100 years ago. You know, the great technology you have. That is not on consumers' minds at first. So when salespeople do not... Have or uh, put enough time in the effort side and focus mainly on the task side, that salesperson prospect engagement results in that salesperson talking way too much. And again, if people enroll in the six hour 321 sales system training, you will see exactly what that's like. And when you sit through that training, if you've been in sales before, you'll say, Oh my gosh. I am guilty of that crime of talking way too much. So as I get closer to uh, talking about prospecting, before I dive into more prospecting detail, let's discuss the role of social media and prospecting. Social media has very little value in learning how to prospect and how to prospect for new clients. I know some people are sad to hear that. Some people are saying, well, I can just go on Facebook or I can just go on Instagram or I can just go on uh, What's up? Well, Twitter and, and, and Prospect. I will tell you one thing. People will have a better chance of connecting with new clients with technology if you do podcasts. That is like a thousand times more effective than just posting your video, posting some type of image. And social media does have its place. But it's in the single digits. It's like one or two percent of being effective, and it's 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 just way the numbers are way too low for a salesperson to count on being successful just using social media. Real estate agents found out about that. Um, CPAs found out about that. Dentists found out that social media is not uh, productive. It's not profitable. So. I just wanted to say that, and we talk about more about how to use social media if you choose to still use it. Again, social media has very, uh, or returns very uh, minimal results, especially as the, the ticket price goes up. So if your item is 10 bucks, yeah, social media might be affected because you're not losing any money. <laughs> it's not costing you a whole lot, and, and most people... When they look at something, they look in their wallets and they say, I got 400 bucks. I can afford something for 10 bucks. You know, so the, the 3-2-1 sales systems is really for people who are selling big ticket items. You know, with items costs start or the, you know, the investments start at 400, 500 dollars, 5,000 dollars, 10,000 dollars, 30,000 dollars, 100,000 dollars, you know, a million dollar house. So now I'm getting closer. I'm, I'm, I'm actually in how to prospect. How to prospect, the actual mechanical steps are very easy. I can cover the mechanical steps in about 20 minutes, but that's not the training on how to become effective in prospecting. All the information that I have discussed so far is important about learning how to prospect because prospecting is more of a psychological function. Uh, mainly just for the salesperson. Uh, there's very little psychological uh, things done on the, on the on the on the on the on the people on the contacts on a potential cu- customer. There's no psychological stuff done. The psychology is how to keep the salesperson's head in the game by using the sales system and to help them not stray off the path where they where they say, oh gosh. I'm, I'm, I'm so uh, I'm full of anxiety. I think the appointment's not going like it, sh- it should, or I don't think I can find enough customers. So I'm just going to wing it. Winging it is the worst thing a salesperson can do. It's the worst thing. So salespeople, while you know beginning to prospect, there's a statement that I always like to read: Salespersons need to manage expectations. So those two words, manage expectations, sound uh, kind of dry and boring, but they're very, very important when it comes to prospecting and when it comes to selling. So I listed three things. There's probably more things I could list, but I'm, I'm, I'm listing three because I don't want this podcast episode to be long, really long. So the three things that I listed that I think are very important. The salesperson needs to be a goal setter. The salesperson needs to say, Today, I'm going to reach out to 10 people. Or if you're brand new, reach out to one person per day. You know, if you're working direct sales, network marketing, you know, have a set a goal to reach out to one person or two people today and then applaud yourself. Congratulate yourself when you do it. Uh, If you're selling other products or services, you know, set a goal to reach out to 10 people or 20 people. The next goal is to establish how much money you need to make to make working in sales enjoyable and pleasurable and so that you can meet your financial obligations. So if you need to make $2,000 per month or $5,000 per month or $10,000 per month, you need to you need to say write that down, you know, you know, Mike needs to make $10,000 per month then based on the number of people that you will contact and prospect, uh, you know, we will show you how to make that number work and adjust it. If you need to make $10,000 per month, we'll show you how you may need to increase the number of contacts. Not something out out of, you know, like really spacey or freaky. It just may be you need to increase it maybe by five, you know, 20 per week. And I know people are saying, Oh, my gosh, he's telling me I need to I need to contact 20 additional people than the number that I originally set out to to prospect. Yeah, it's sales. And you will see, especially if you take the training, that 20 additional people, let's say you wanted to reach out to 30. And I say, okay, Mike, let's get that number up to 50 per week. Based on understanding what a sales system is, you'll be cool with it. You'll say, oh, okay. Let's go 60. You know, now that you know, or when you know what a sales system is, you'll say, Okay, I see why I went, I had to go from 30 to 50, or maybe I wanted some cushion, so I'm just gonna set it at 60. And if I overdo it, great for me. You know, overdoing it and uh, exceeding your goal is way better than not exceeding your goal or meeting your goal. And the third thing. Uh, about managing expectations you will begin to grow your confidence you will see that the people out there that you want to talk to that you want to prospect are not mean and evil like i first <laughs> thought when i was just getting into direct marketing you know uh just when i was getting into one of these uh, network marketing businesses i thought everyone was mean and evil and they hated my guts And it's easy to feel that way if you just start listening to your friends, you turn on the news and, you know, it's very easy to psych yourself out of success. So the second item in this this section is who needs your product, good or service the most? The third item is who can afford your product, good or service? So someone needs someone must want your product or service or need it. And can they afford it? Uh, The fourth item what is your pre planned s- system for the next steps, like the appointment setting and how to conduct the appointment? I call that the interview. That's part of the last C, that's part of the closing. Number five, if your contact says yes to meet, do you have a system in place for that next phase? Believe it or not, a lot of people don't. They're so excited the person said yes. they they didn't think about what they needed to do next or how that appointment would be conducted. Uh, Most sales organizations do not prepare their people to interview that prospect. Remember, that person started out as a contact. When they accepted your appointment, they became a prospect because they have decided that they need your product, good or service, and you have determined prospecting that they probably can they they probably can afford your product, good or service Um, one of the other questions is where will you find contacts to possibly uh, transition from contacts to prospects Uh, there's a system approach to this Um, where will you find people, maybe it's the bakery, the coffee shop, the bank, the car wash, at the soccer field uh, grocery stores uh, PTA meetings and even with wearing masks, I, I was talking to a person who is in sales in the Bay Area and she said, I don't know. Now, she's not a client. She would have not you know, told me this if she was a client. She used to see somebody that I know that I, that I was trying to help. I never took the training. But she said, how can I prospect people when everyone is wearing masks? My goodness, people are spending billions of dollars in stores while they're wearing masks people are getting out of their cars with masks people are standing in line and masks so that so that so the answer to that question is just pretend like they don't have a mask on and you pretend that you don't have a mask on and just communicate like you would have anyway um, another thing about prospecting is the pace of your walk when you're walking around when entering a building uh, another important concept is non verbal communications when you walk into a, like a, a coffee shop and I'm, I'm saying walking into places where some of these places especially here in California some of these places are closed Now I know back east and down south and you know there's a lot of places that are open I just got back from Georgia there are tons of businesses open as you head east and south But here in California, there's not a whole lot of places that are open. But if you do have an opportunity to walk inside a place, um, you know, there's this nonverbal communication thing that goes on. And what that is, and when you first start connecting with people, you will notice that when you walk into a room, everyone stops what they're doing and they look at you and you look at them. And here's like a, a sales thing I probably... Don't say on the phone during these introductions, but I do in the training. The number one reason why people check you out when you walk into a a building is not because you're wearing nice shoes. It's not because your hair looks great, although they will get to that. They will say, oh, number two, the hair looks great. Number two, or three, the shoes look great. The suit looks great. The dress looks great. The car they got out of looks great. But the number one reason why people check you out. you walk into a building is safety and security they're looking at you to see if you are a threat to their safety so if you walk in with a a 12-inch knife aha you're not going to be able to uh that person is not going to probably communicate with you and you're not going to communicate with them Um, so people are checking out their safety when they first see you now again the other non-verbals are eye contact um, your pace of your walk, uh, how you look to them—are you wear, wearing athletic clothes? Are you wearing wearing um, like a, like a corporate look? Are you semi-formal? All these things come into play with nonverbal communications. So we're about to close, and not the clothes that I mentioned under CPAC—I mean the close of this podcast episode. Then you want to introduce yourself and ask what that person's name is. And with 321 Sales System, and again, even the corporate sales training I went to did not talk about this next step. I learned this next step in network marketing, and it's called FORM, and it stands for ask questions about family, ask questions about occupation, ask questions about how a person recreates or how they have fun, and then the last one, M, is the message, and you want to spend about two to five minutes doing that. Okay, form will lead to two outcomes. The contact will ask you what you do for a living or the contact will not ask you what you do for a living. If the contact asks you what you do for a living, then you as a salesperson, you need a 20-second elevator pitch. And I know people are listening to this, oh, he's using words and phrases that I hate. He's using elevator pitch. Oh, I know what that means. That means... I'm in sales. No, an elevator pitch is really something that you can repeat off the cuff. Like if I wake you up in the morning and I say, what's your social security number and date of birth? Most people can tell me that even five seconds after they wake up. So your elevator pitch must be part of you. So I recommend I help people develop these elevator pitches and uh, the elevator pitch is designed uh, based on your personality and based on, based on what you want to communicate. So that elevator pitch must be no more than 20 seconds. Because anything longer than 20 seconds, that person you're talking to is going to start flashing above your head. You can't see it, but it's going to say salesperson, salesperson alert, salesperson alert. That's the reason why you want it to be 20 seconds or less because when you, when you take the time to respect another person's time and another person's psyche that they already have, uh, sometimes negative opinions about salespeople, when you do it less than 20 seconds, you tell that person that you respect their time and that you're not trying to be pushy. The next phase is if that contact does not ask you what you do. So now people are stuck. Rick, suppose that person doesn't ask me what I do for a living. Then I like to use this thing called the Columbo approach. Now, if you're younger, like younger than maybe 30, you probably don't know who Columbo is. It was a show on TV. I was, I was a teenager when this show came out. It was like in the 70s and 80s, I think. And I used to love this guy, how he acted. His actor was Peter Falk. I think he died. But he had this approach where he would walk away from someone that he, that he knew was the was the murderer he would walk away then he would come back and ask this secondary question and it would kind of throw people off that he came back and asked now the 321 sales system using the colombo approach is not to throw someone off it's really to confirm something and again you got to be in the in the sales system training class to learn what that is but when a person does not ask what you do for a living, we use the Colombo approach. So you walk away, and then 10 seconds later, you come back and you apologize for not telling the contact what you do for a living. And then you kind of ask them for their contact information. And you sort of like set yourself up as if they ask you what you do. As we close this podcast episode, as seen, as you may have, as you may have heard, you didn't see it, as you may have heard, selling has very little to do with pitching that doggone product, good, or service. Uh, Most of selling is making introductions, asking questions, and listening to the person. You can't talk most people into buying. Only 7% of people that you meet with can be talked into something, but that's very painful. You have to be like, you know, a serious you know, combat vet to take that many arrows to your psyche to go through that many people only to get 7% of the people you talk with or meet with to buy. Uh, right now, so many sales jobs are available and even more sales jobs are available due to COVID-19. So now is the time. If you're looking at changing careers, if now is the time where you're out of work, And you're like sitting around trying to figure out how can you go back to that nine to five job, which may or may not come back. Or if it does come back, it won't be on your terms. And, you know, you know, the whole thing is messed up in a sense, but I'm not going to talk about that on this podcast episode. Now is the time to perhaps look at working at a company and learning how to move that company's product, good or service. And then finally. Most small business owners that you may you know get interviewed with, they don't know how to sell either. Okay, just just you know if you work if you're working with the company and that company owner owns a doggone thing, and that company owner he 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 or she uh, has a product, or service, or, or good, it does not mean they know how to sell. Most business owners started the business because they wanted the profit from the sale, but they don't necessarily know how to perfect the the sales system. They don't know how to use or get their, their salespeople to become proficient in selling. So small business owners desperately need salespersons who do know how to prospect and who know how to sell using a sales system. So if you are a white collar, small business owner, this podcast episode addresses a concern or situation that you're going through right now. Please do not hesitate to call me at 833 321 3212 if you are in the U.S. or Canada or internationally using WhatsApp at country code 1 406 402 to see if 321 BizDev LLC can help you find a winning solution. We recommend small business owners looking for solutions. We recommend small business owners looking for solutions. Uh, Visit our website. If you are an accountant, a CPA, a dentist, a plastic surgeon, or an insurance broker, we do have uh, questionnaires that I will ask you to complete. And then we'll call you back and give you a free 60-minute consultation based on the information that you provided. We hope you have enjoyed today's podcast episode.